From Data Rails, this is FPNA Today. Welcome to FPNA Today. I am your host, Paul Barnhurst, aka the FPNA Guy. And today we're having a special episode. We have with us the host of the Financial Modeling Podcast, Matthew Bernath. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Great to be here. So, Matt, could you maybe start by just telling us a little bit about the Financial Modeling Show? Tell us a little bit about your podcast and how that came about. Yeah, sure. So, I guess I've been doing financial modeling for a long time, probably started in about 2008. Um, So, yeah, going on 14, 15 years. And in about 2018, I was working in an investment bank, focusing on financial modeling, focusing on building a quantitative center of excellence in, in the infrastructure finance space, which for, for your listeners that know infrastructure finance, it's very structured, very highly structured financial models, typically looking you know, 20 to 30 years into the future. And I just absolutely loved financial modeling. And I I realized that there was this community of financial modelers globally that I could connect with and speak to and learn from. And so I decided to stop reaching out to people. And I thought, hey, it might be cool to record a podcast. And and the first podcast I ever did, I, doing, you know, we were briefly chatting before the, we started recording now. And I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. And I recorded it, I think, on my dining room table with this tiny little microphone. And I mean, it's still up there. It's called The Future of Financial Modeling. And um, you can go and listen to it. It's the very first episode, I guess, from now on episode number 80 or whatever the case might be. And I'm sure the sound quality is terrible. And, and after about five or 10 episodes, people say to me, oh, I've been listening to the, the podcast, but uh, I think you should get a, a better mic. And then I realized, okay, well, if people are actually listening to this, maybe I should improve the sound quality and invest in a better microphone. And and yeah, started um, taking a bit more interest in it. And and yeah, now I'm on season five, as I said, 80 episodes in, 100,000 listeners in over 100 countries. So it's it, it still blows my mind when I look at the stats, but it's been a lot of fun. No, that's great. No, and it is amazing. You know, I've been about 10 weeks into doing a podcast now. I think we released nine episodes and just, you know, following the stats and seeing, you know, kind of it grow and learning. It is, it is pretty amazing. So, you know, that's great that you've reached 100,000 followers and accomplished what you have. So, you know, we speak about financial modeling as, you know, the podcast we run is FP&A Today. And obviously in financial planning and analysis, modeling is a huge part of that. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how you see the FP&A world using financial modeling, why it's, you know, so important to the, to the FP&A space. Yeah, sure. So I think, I think there's a lot of disciplines from the financial modeling world that I've seen being adopted in the FP&A space, um, you know, going really well. Um, and I think, I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have to do financial planning analysis and put together budgets and forecasts. You don't necessarily even understand financial models. So don't come from a financial background, but maybe they've been, you know, promoted to a senior position or they're running a division of the company. And now they all of a sudden have to put together a budget and a forecast and how much money that division is going to make. And they aren't that comfortable with, with the numbers. And, and so what typically happens is a kind of copy paste of last year just for inflation. Um, you know, maybe we overspent here and spent there, kind of do a little bit of fiddling. And it's, and, and generally it's, it's a, it's an adjustment of last year. And I find this is, I mean, it's obviously the easiest way to do it, you know, copy paste. But I find that, you know, companies that have really uh, focused on bringing in financial modeling disciplines like scenario analysis and forecasting and bringing in other data feeds, those are the ones that dealt with the, 
let's say the black swan events the best you know those are the companies that were able to say geez you know during COVID it was obviously terrible but but we we have a downside scenario and we forecast that and and you know try to make sure that we're at least covered in various scenarios we had three months or six months worth of cash flow to keep us going and the budget wasn't just copy paste but we had also you know we had done these very various analysis and that also allowed us to identify opportunities better not just in Black Swan events, but in all markets, you know, we have identified opportunity and we've really focused. We put eight additional budget to that. We saw what the brand, perhaps a bit of, you know, a, a solution to see, you know, how we could optimize funding of our portfolio and funding of our business. And so it's so companies that are adopting more financial modeling tools into FPNA, like op- op- portfolio, let's say optimization, cost optimization, um, understanding where they're getting the most bang for the buck, doing a bit of scenario and sensitivity analysis. Uh, visualizing it and, and monitoring it on a real-time basis, being able to re- kind of react to your budget on a real-time basis and, and and make real-time or relatively real-time decisions is also so important because I think that's a great skill from financial modeling. You know, previously with budgets, again, people aren't, a lot of people that have to do FP&A that aren't professionals, but people in business that have kind of been dumped in the deep end, they just do it and they, they then, 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 you know, they oh, thankfully budget season's over and now we'll only do it next year and they don't track it on a real-time basis. They're, they're missing a trick there. You're missing such an opportunity to to react to your market in real time, understand where you can pull cash from to attack um, certain opportunities. So I think there's some, um, obviously, uh, you know, there's there's some differences, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity for overlap as well. And I really like the word analysis, right? Analysis, I mean, I think that's, that's the key word there. You know, a lot of people, they miss the opportunity for deep analysis into their budgeting and forecasting and financial planning. And, and that's really the big overlap with financial modeling as well. I really like the last one you mentioned there. You know, there are a couple of things, but just the analysis part reminded me I was talking to someone who had been a CFO and he goes, I have an analyst come in and they drop a report on my desk. He's like, here's the analysis you wanted. He'd pick it up and look at it. He goes, this isn't an analysis. This is a report. Where's the analysis? Where's the recommendation? Where's the insights? He goes, I only had to do that once and I'd never get a report like that from them again. And I really like that because I think that's the part a lot of people forget. And historically, I think it was something that often was missing from FP&A. I used to call it financial planning and reporting. Here's your 100-page deck that they would do every month. And it's like, nobody read it, right? It just went to the round uh, wastebasket, so to speak. So that is uh, definitely great advice. So what do you see as the key skills for somebody who hopes to be better at financial modeling and wants to improve in that area? I think... A lot of um, the financial modelers, they focus too much on the, the let, let's call it the, the micro aspects of financial modeling. So that's the tools you use and they become Excel experts. And I, I love Excel, right? I love Excel probably just as much as the next guy and I can spot a few Excel books behind you. And I've got uh, a lot of the similar books. I think we've got a, a 70 to 80% book overlap there. And, <laughs> and obviously I, I love the tools, you know, and I'm really interested in the tools. But I think too many model, modelers focus, okay, on the tools and I want to automate this and, and that, but they don't sometimes look at the macro things. So to be a good financial modeler, you've got to understand what's happening in the macro environment. What's happening in, in global politics that could affect your financial model, that could affect the deal you're working on. What's happening in inflation? You know, you can be the best financial model in the world, but if you haven't taken into account inflation, which is such a big topic at the moment, then, then how good is your financial model? You know, if you didn't stress test to say, geez, inflation for the past, whatever, 30 years has been 2% and all of a sudden it's 8%, if you didn't stress test and make sure that your, your analysis or your financial plan forecast still works, then you can throw it out the window. Could have, you could be the best financial model in the world, but you didn't take into account these external factors. So I think too many modelers focus on the micro things. You know, oh, I want to be the best in Excel. I want to be the, the quickest, throw away my mouse, all the only use keyboard shortcuts. 
you know, really understand cash flow analysis and forecasting, but don't forget to bring in all these macro variables because in, a, in today's very highly globalized world, you, nobody lives in an island, right? And everybody's affected by things like the supply chain and inflation. And if you aren't having a look at understanding those, those sort of macro factors that could affect your financial model, then, then how good is your financial model? It's just a pretty picture. That's a great point. If you can't stress test it, you don't understand the macros and can adjust to the environment. It's like you said, it's a pretty picture. So I like that. We will be right back. You know what it is like. 13 different spreadsheets emailed out to 23 different budget holders. Multiple iterations, version control, errors, back and forth updates. You never really feel in control of the consolidation and collection process. Yep, I've been there. Stop. Breathe. DataRails is the financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. DataRails takes data from all of your company's disparate sources. No organization is too complex, consolidating everything into one place, secured in the cloud. Now all your data finally talking to each other. Everything is automated back into your report in Excel. Cash flow, FX conversion, Intercompany transactions, now automated and up-to-date. Drill down and variance analysis in seconds. Don't replace Excel, embrace Excel. Turn your Excel into a lean, mean FP&A machine. Find out more at www.datarails.com. And now let's get back to our episode. One question we always like to ask our guests, and we talked a little bit about this, we talked about Excel, is, you know, DataRails is our sponsor, and they're a big uh, believer of Excel. They're a platform built around Excel for financial planning. So one question we always like to ask is, what is your favorite Excel function, and why? <laughs> That's a good question, right? So especially like Excel's evolving all the time. I'll say, though, I, I used to, back, back, back in the day, I think 2008, 2009, I started doing a bit of Excel training. And, you know, used to explain VLOOKUP and then explain, well, okay, VLOOKUP, the issues you can't go backwards, then you'd have to explain index and match. <laughs> and I think just for the time, it could have saved me not only in my own work, but in terms of all the training courses as well, I have to go with XLOOKUP here. XLOOKUP. And why XLOOKUP? You said the time it will save you, but what is it you like about it? I think what I like about it. So many companies, you, you, you make recommendations to them and they never listen to you, right? It's like, cool, cool, thanks for the recommendation. See you next time. Goodbye. And they check your recommendation within. But I actually think I like what XLOOKUP, so many people recommended it to, to Microsoft and Excel and other guys at Excel, and they were actually like, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll, we'll fix that issue. And they went ahead and they fixed it, and they released a new formula. And I, I like that. You know, they were innovative, and they, they, listened, they listened to their audience. No, that's a great point. And I, I'm a big fan of XLOOKUP. I prefer it, and I teach it. And it's fun to see people's eyes open when they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense that's an easier way to do it and addresses some of those you know, challenges that you face with VLOOKUP and index match. So I'm also a big fan of that one. So I'm going to give you a minute here. Do you have any kind of questions for me that you would like to ask for your audience? Absolutely. So I think, you know, as I said, FP&A, I think it's really well understood by like a core group of people. But then many people that have to do ad hoc financial planning analysis, as I said, budgeting, forecasting, if you think about it, every single manager in every company around the world probably has to put together some level of budget for their team, for their department, whether they're cost center or profit center. 
And my question for you is, what advice would you have for somebody who, who maybe they hate finance? You know, they work for an advertising company. They've always been a creative person. They, they didn't do accounting. They, they hate finance. They hate accounting. And now they have to do this budget and, and forecast. And again, the easiest thing to do is copy paste, but they realize that maybe there's a better way of doing it. What advice do you have for them to make their lives a little bit easier or things they should focus on to make um, the, this whole FPNA analysis or the FPNA process a little bit more bearable, a little bit more enjoyable for them? That is a great question. And I think there's a, you know, a couple layers to that. I think the first thing is developing a relationship with their finance person. And working with them, because the finance person can help them understand and put together the budget for them if they help the finance person understand what they're trying to accomplish. So I think that first step, even before, is making sure you understand your strategic objectives, make you understand what you're trying to accomplish, and then let your FP&A person help you translate that, help them understand, okay, to be able to achieve this revenue or you know, marketing to generate this many leads, it's going to cost me this. Well, why is it going to cost you that? And how do we get there? And make it more strategic instead of, okay, this is just a number exercise that I got to get done and I'm not going to look at it again for 12 months, which we've seen in companies. Make sure it ties to your operational plan and really, you know, focus on the planning so that you understand how you want to get there instead of just a number especially if you're doing a static budget, because the reality is you're never going to achieve that number anyway. It's the process and going through that process and letting finance be a partner with you to help find ways to ensure you have the most robust plan possible to accomplish things and to help you correct when you get off course. Because finance can do analysis and has access to you know, all that company data and understands those unit economics in a way that you may not. So I think the biggest advice I would have is step back. Remember, it's a strategic exercise and finance is there to help you. And if they're not, you need to have probably an open conversation with your head of finance and figure out why there's the disconnect. I love that. And I think you said something that's really important. And that's that the model is not going to be correct anyway. And, you know, I used to really irritate my, my, my former colleagues because they used to say to me, Matthew, is the financial model correct? And I say, no, it's not correct. And then they say, why, why is it correct? We're about to close this deal. We're about to go to credit. You know, what do you, what do you mean it's not correct? And I'd say, well, th- this model is a forecast 20 years of cash flows into the future. They say, if the model's correct, I shouldn't be building financial models. I should be playing the lottery because, I mean, how can I, fo- you know, forecast, I mean, can you tell me what's going to happen tomorrow? Never mind 20 years in the future. And I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, financial modeling, FP&A, it's all about it's guiding something and guiding decisions. It's never going to be 100% accurate. No, exactly. And I used to always say something similar to you and people would be like, if I was really close on a forecast, it'd be like, you're good at predicting. No, if I was good at predicting, I'd be sitting on the beach somewhere right now relaxing because <laughs> I would have made a fortune at the stock market. I make solid assumptions. And as long as they're reasonable and they can help guide decision making, that's what I do because... Yeah, if I was great at planning and predicting, I would be a millionaire retired right now. <laughs> so great. Any other kind of questions you have for me? No, I think, Paul, I think that's really good insight that you've given. I think I think you're right. It's it's about it's about taking your strategic vision, but then partnering with the the relevant experts to turn that into a realistic uh, you know, financial model, budget or forecast that then that then requires continuous analysis and readjusting over time. And I think that's the right way of doing it. I think, you know, people that, let's say, don't love this space, 
they can still guide the process and provide the relevant inputs into the process, but then work with financial partners to execute. Exactly. We're here to help make it easier for them. There's a reason they're not in finance, right? They're doing marketing or product management or engineering or something else because that's what they want to do. And usually dealing with the numbers, dealing with budgets for many of them is like pulling teeth. So anything, you know, we can do from a finance side to make that easier for them, they're going to appreciate that. Because I'm sure all of them have their nightmare stories of, you know, those budget processes that have dragged on for months and many, many, many revisions. And, you know, they kind of don't want to deal with it anymore. So it's our job to help take some of that burden from them. Absolutely. All right. Well, great. Well, I, you know, I appreciate the time with you today. Just kind of last parting thing. If people want to learn more about you, more about your show, where can they go? How can they, they do that? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, so people can go to financialmodelingpodcast.com. You can uh, follow me on any of the social media platforms, whether that's LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. Although my Instagram is mostly the shots of me drinking coffee or good coffee that I've found around. I'm a big coffee fan. And and yeah, I'm sure just like you on all the podcast channels as well. Well, great. So big coffee fan. So what's your favorite? Do you have a recommendation for people? I think, yeah, I have the recommendation to go off the beaten track. I think so many people look for a brand name and sometimes it's the small little hole in the world for coffee shops that are sourcing great green beans, you know, sourcing great coffee from around the world, not over-roasting it, not burning the coffee, not too dark, and bringing out those good flavors. And I think um, that's what I love as well, is these small businesses that are, that are you know, thriving, providing employment opportunities as well, and, and just, yeah, providing the communities with, with great coffee. And for, for my listeners, we're going to do a bit of a co-release week, and they find out more about the FPNA podcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's FPNA today. You can find it on all your major uh, podcasts, you know, Spotify, Apple, wherever else, as well as they can follow me on LinkedIn. I go by the uh, hashtag, the FPNA guy. And I, you know, post about the podcast on there. Also on, you know, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you'll see uh, posts about the podcast on all your social media channels. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, Paul.